You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about suzanne vega self-titled album in the room i have rob hi guy and on the line i have ben hey and kyle hi there suzanne vega is the self-titled debut album uh, by the artist of the same name released on may 1st 1985 the producer was steve adebo and lenny k and Stephen Miller. The genre is folk folk pop and folk rock and i'm gonna read from the book gareth thompson Born in California and growing up in New York, Vega inhabits musical qualities of both environments. From the West Coast, she derives a bohemian folksy flair, while from the urban East comes a streetwise lyricism. An important year for the aspiring singer-songwriter was 1979. Vega visited England to observe the explosive punk scene and attend a Lou Reed gig back home. Both experiences pushed her lyrical approach toward realism. While Vega admits that she spoiled her early gigs with a defensive what-are-you-staring-at hostility, the strength of her material and reputation saw her signed by A&M in 1984. With former Patti Smith guitarist Lenny Kay at the helm, Suzanne Vega was recorded in early 1985. The UK market quickly took her to heart via the jaunty single Marlene on the Wall. Here the Observer becomes the observed as a portrait of Marlene Dietrich watches Vega bed a procession of lovers. Not surprisingly, given the producer Lenny Kay's credentials, the guitar sound is crisply to the fore. Vega's icy picking is warmed with subtle synthesizer and the shrewdest percussion. Her vocals veer from half-spoken caresses or cracking and freeze tag to the sensual melodies of Undertow and Small Blue Thing. The album's heart is defined by a timeless fable, the Queen and the Soldier, which recalls Sandy Denny's epic balladeering. By contrast, the adjoining Night Moves has snarling stanzas not unlike those of Husker Du. All right, what do we think of Suzanne Vega, self-titled album? This is a cool debut. This record is incredible, incredible. Yeah, yeah. launched every folksy 90s group oh, yeah. that you could possibly think of, oh, yeah. in, in my opinion. You guys ever listen to records? <laughs> do, do, do I ever listen to records? <laughs> do you listen to Suzanne Vega records? Uh, no, this is the first Have one I listened to. Nope. This is uh, I've heard I've heard her stuff. I've heard the hits, but yeah, this is the first dig in into uh, Suzanne Vega for me. The album that launched a million coffee shops between like ninety ninety one and like ninety nine. I was I had all of her albums. Really, uh, this one. Yep, Solitude Standing, Days of an Open Hand, 99.9 uh, degrees Fahrenheit, Nine Objects of Desire. Yeah. Which, I, which one's your favorite? 
That one's tough. I'd say maybe like 99.9 Fahrenheit degrees. Um, I don't know, but that that one's like 90, 94. 92. Uh, 96. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, Days in Open Hand, yeah. Loved this this stuff when I was uh, in middle school and high school. And then like I just never kept up with her after that. Yeah, what, um, what drew you to her? I mean, where did the sort of... Uh, introduction come from i'm curious just because it's i mean it was always kind of in my background so it was 1990 91 um when i heard the the dna remix Mm -hmm. of thomas diner sure and i was like this is interesting so i tapes and got into them and then i got all of her albums you know it was one of those i don't know i listened to her during a time when i was kind of vulnerable Mm -hmm. and sensitive yeah uh i didn't like understand women you know, at that young age, I was, you know, so I, I listened to her and yeah. kind of tried to, you know, see things through a different kind of perspective, perspective taking, I suppose. But she just her voice and just her, her songwriting. Like, yeah. yeah, it's really, really good. I yeah. mean, I, I think we I mean, we've sang the praises of Joni Mitchell many times on this mm-hmm. podcast. And I think she Suzanne Vega, to me, kind of represents a a, a like that write-up was saying uh, a bit of Joni Mitchell, the West coast style, but it also brings in the Joan Baez um, sort of original folk style. Mm -hmm. It's not, it doesn't go too far into the jazz territory that maybe Joni Mitchell does with her alternative tunings. It, it, it leans a little more into the pop sphere of um, yeah, of, of folk pop, but yeah, her sort of quirkiness of that breathy vocals I mean, I think her voice really carries these, not not to mention, you know, the, the songwriting, but there's something really unique about that. Her vocalizations that I think we will definitely get with more and more as we get into the 90s. I mean, that was. Oh, for sure. It, no. it just feels like the style mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. became the this, thing. This launched a thousand. Yeah. And we're we're Ships. real close to Michelle Shocked, um, which will be like next year, and Tracy Chapman, and you know how all. close are we to like Ani DeFranco? Uh, Ani DeFranco, I believe, would have been doing things right around this time. Now, I will say the one thing I kind of learned uh, while doing research this week is the reason this was so such a progenitor, sort of like an inspiration for that was not that people weren't always doing, you know, the singer songwriter, the sort of coffee shop, you know, uh, ballads and acoustic numbers. It's that the lead single Luca on her next album, it went three, you know, gold in three months in the U S peaked at number 11 and eventually went platinum. And at that time that was, you know, Mm -mm. there was no folk singer that was going platinum was nominated for three Grammys, you know, and so every single folk song about child abuse. Yeah, exactly. So Um, every single record label was lining up to then get all these artists like Tracy chat, you know, like it's like, okay, the market's there. Let's start, let's start getting all the artists that are currently in this genre to, and uh, they under uncovered a lot of major talent at that time. Yeah, I, I, I just I was curious. Like, I, I, I enjoyed this record quite a bit, but I was like, well, what, what else was going on in the uh, singer songwriter category of 1985? And I, I found an internet aggregate. Um, the, uh, the listing goes this: 
Tom Waits Rain Dogs like with a hundred percent critical review. Suzanne Vega is number two with eighty. Uh, there's a dude named Lewis for uh, with a thing called Romantic Times. A fellow named Robert Wyatt. Then we have <laughs> we've covered Robert Wyatt. Yeah, we have. And then we have Van Dave's the Man and uh, Joni Mitchell uh, coming in uh, coming in last. I was I was just interested like what else was going on with uh, at least like what was popular. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, she like this record fucking rules, and like for it to be like as close to Rain Dogs, like within points of just a, a like a little internet aggregate thing, was I, I I thought like spoke volumes for like how well it was received. Yeah, and I th- I think that it's not that there weren't a lot of things Indigo Girls were going at this time. I mean, there there were all sorts of uh, performers doing something a, a bit similar to this it's just that money makes the genre happen right it's like one artist hits and they sell a platinum record and then all of a sudden yeah all the labels yeah. line up and they say oh you know countries in this sad songs and waltzes are selling this year so let's go <laughs> ahead and just line it up are you calling willie a liar <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mm. there's a quote from Hype um, where dude in the back of cars is like, yeah, like, uh, first it started like a, uh, first it started the record industry like a giant fucking baby Huey just mm-hmm. comes and sits on Athens. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then stands up yeah. and runs around and just sits on Seattle. Yep. Like, yeah, I mean, like, wherever it's happening, like, just those vultures were. Yeah. And really, it wasn't until, like, Napster, like, that that stopped. Which is why we can't yeah. make money making music. Yeah, that's why we can't make money making music. Thanks, that's Napster. That's why there's not <laughs> a baby Huey that sit, sitting on any of our towns. <laughs> Where's so, my giant so baby you Huey? Guys, <laughs> baby Huey you guys brought up Luca. Yeah. What's that? The song Luca, which is on the next record, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of her big hit. One of the reasons that I didn't really tell a lot of people that I listened to Suzanne Vega was. Um, <laughs> Uh, and she like started doing this like funny voice. She's like, my name is Luca. Yeah. I live on the second floor and started like straight up mocking Suzanne Beckett. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear somebody talk about that damn song, I think of my mom making fun of like, my music. <laughs> Even if I am in love with you, all this to say what's it to you? Observe the blood, the rose tattoo of the fingerprint on me from you. Other evidence has shown that you and I are still alone. We skirt around the danger zone and don't talk about it later. Marlena watches from the wall, her mocking smile says it all as she records the rise and fall of every soldier passing. But the only soldier now is me. I'm fighting things I cannot see. I think it's called my destiny that I am changing. Marlena on the wall. Yeah. Did you know that Suzanne Vega is known as the mother of the MP3? Yeah. I was not aware of that. What? Yeah. No, I didn't hear that. The uh, the folks that were developing the format were using the songs Time Tom the song Tom's Diner as a demo for for their format as they were developing it. No shit. Yeah. Does it have enough like uh, dynamic range? Yes, they were they were showing off the range, and that was a perfect song to show the clarity of the compression of MP3 format. Wow. So yeah. 
It's the first MP3. Wow. <laughs> I also thought it was really interesting how that that song came about. Um, you know, was Tom Steiner was originally released as an acapella on the second record, Solitude Standing, but it was remixed in 1999 as a dance track by the English electronic duo DNA. With I think it was 1990. Was, or sorry, uh, 1990. Yeah. I was about to say. Uh, that's a little later, yeah. <laughs> I was wearing some pretty big pants, and I, I don't remember hearing that song on the radio. But <laughs> it was a top ten in over five countries, but it, it like, they, it was just it was leaked. Un- it was you know, unauthorized. Unauthorized. No one had, yeah. She didn't tell them they could remix Tom's Diner. Absolutely not. <laughs> and then the record label came, and they were going to shut it down, and she said no let's go for it yeah actually let's double down (laughs) yeah i just thought it was smart such a bizarre you know circumstance where someone just gives you your own song as a hit and you you just go yeah fine let's do Mm -hmm. it it's got to I'm sure there's there's other times that's that's happened plenty of them in in music history. I'm trying to think of The only one I could think of off the top of my head was the Danger Mouse like the Black album or whatever that had it was like Jay-Z and the, uh, and yeah. the Beatles. The Grey album? Grey album, was that it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cuz the Black album yeah. and the White album. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the Grey album and then I think both the maybe Paul McCartney and Jay-Z were like big deal like this is cool. Uh, you know, like someone did something really interesting. Um, I'm sure they had to, you know, do a little bit of uh, work out the royalties. And well, that sort the of lawyers thing. took yeah. care of that. But I think that they were on board and he got the publicity to do it. Yep. I think it's awesome that that happened. I'm more surprised he was able to get Beatles rights than Jay-Z rights. The, the, <clears throat> the Beatles estates had just been so no- notoriously close fisted yeah. on that stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of these songs. Yeah. Does anybody, does anybody have sure. a favorite yeah. on here? I like straight lines. Blue I thing's like really good. Small blue thing. Uh, I thought, uh, uh both cracking is really good. Undertow's great. Mm-hmm. Cracking and freeze tag. were awesome. I like uh, the queen and the soldier. It reminded me a bit of like Leonard Cohen meets Paul Simon songwriting. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that Ben. Night Moves didn't do much for me. Hmm. I like the way it's spelled, and it reminded me of like a potential themed night at the old strip club in Bloomington. Oh, man. It's, <laughs> that's, that, 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 that's a walking trail, man. <laughs> Nowadays. Oh, is, is the building not even there anymore? Yeah, no. they demolished all that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Right. Yeah, the army like, like we're exploding it with helicopters. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I re- that's what they were doing. I remember people being afraid yeah. because the army was blowing stuff up with helicopters. They were taking care of night moves. Yeah, yeah. turns out. <laughs> yep. Funny how the night moves. How about we Willies? Oh, no, that that, that that was dead forever. No, it's been a long time ago. It was dead, but I was hoping that the actual structure someone would turn like. Make some kind of diner. No, man, that fucking uh, the the one guy that knew the recipe for everything died, and then with that, the food died, and they just shut it down. But could they not have figured out the recipe for biscuits and gravy and Uh, omelets? Apparently not. No. No. All right. Well, this album though is is (laughs) it's really nice on my ears. I like it. Yeah, it's it's like a nice biscuits and gravy. Mm. 
in mm. my ear canal. This is nice to hear again. I haven't mm. I haven't listened to this record in a long time. For our British listeners, we're not talking about cookies and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just got good a good melody that that sort of carries through. And in that write up, it did say that you know the guitar was kind of at the forefront of uh, of the mix, and I think that's really it. It really pops. So that's Lenny K turning the knobs, but it's not him playing guitar, which I thought was interesting. I thought if he was in the room, he might as well just be laying down some tracks. But I'm looking at the personnel right now, and other than uh, production, Lenny K doesn't show up anywhere. Yeah, I mean sometimes you just produce. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to mess with a a good thing. Absolutely, Suzanne Vega was the first female headliner of the Glastonbury Music Festival in the UK. It's if you if you're not familiar, it's huge. Mm. Glastonbury mm. is huge. It's enormous. I, I was I was trying to find some footage of her performing there because apparently she had been getting threats from like a uh, like threat mail. And she performed in a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Wow. wow. I thought it was threats to her, but later I read that a girl was infatuated with her bass player. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm let me bass look up Frank, Frank Gravis right now. Let's see, let's see who we're working with. <laughs> Man. Uh you know, obviously, it's it's never good to have a crazed fan of infatuated with a member of your band. But on the other side of that coin, a proud day for bass member bass players everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I made Suzanne Vega wear a bulletproof vest. Yeah, you know, they weren't even trying to get her; they're trying to get me, Frank, <laughs> the bass player. <laughs> so on a small blue thing, I'm pretty sure that the uh, keyboard patch that was used on the um the choruses was uh from an ESQ an Insonic ESQ1 and the patch is called Chiffy Chiffy C H I F F Y Chiffy What are the merits of the ch- uh, the Chiffy patch Rob what does it sound like I can't remember the synth line on Oh, so it's it's appropriately it's, named. It's incredibly appropriately named. So it's I, kind of like her voice. She has a little bit of the. She has a little shift in her in her, in her voice. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. running they're running her through a shifty filter. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I've uh, I, I have one in my basement. I'm pretty sure I'm right, but I've been wrong so you really? many times. Yeah. yeah. So are you saying that we are one step closer to our Suzanne Vega tribute? All we all we need is. Like Suzanne Vega and the yep, rest of yep, that's it. <laughs> but we we've got the right patch. <laughs> <laughs> we can get my mom to sing. Uh, my name is Luca. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Luca. That story, Rob, that story reminds Luca. me of uh, of your story with your mom and Bob Seger uh, playing the playing the Bob Seger out the windows, stuck in traffic. Yeah. The, the, oh, the 1994 Honda Accord stuck in Castleton traffic, blasting Bob oh Singer, singing directly at me <laughs> while people I know are going past on the right side, and I'm just covering my face because I can't fucking deal. I just feel bad because it ruined Bob Seger for you. I mean, I got over it. Yeah. I enjoy night moves now. Man, we just keep on bringing up night moves. 
it's a great record. I don't know why it wasn't in the album. If you'd like to hear us talk about the album Night Moves, I would talk, please, please, uh, yeah, you know, send us a fellow Patreon. Send us, it would uh, not take much, much Patreon for me to sit no, literally, down with you guys we and talk about <laughs> Night Moves. <laughs> I wanted to say a video was released for the album song Marlene on the Wall, which went to MTV and VH1's heavy rotation. So VH1 was already active in 85. That's a question. You that was a statement. I said 85. You said 85? Guys, I literally oh. said 85. Okay. I'm he, not that he drunk. Know, he you said 95. No, I, I heard 85, my, my Robert. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, okay. my, my, my Benjamin. It, it launched on January 1st, 1985. No shit. VH1. Mm-hmm. Well, Hot Dog, Jumping Frog. Yeah. Mm. And they played Jerry. nothing but Sting songs. <laughs> <laughs> Until they invented pop-up video. <laughs> and then they showed pop-up video of Sting that's, songs. That's also another reason that I think uh, uh, Suzanne Vega came into prominence is, you know, MTV was I right did. there. Yeah. I didn't check out that video. Is it a is it a, a memorable okay. video? Um, is I it mean, like a Peter Gabriel sledgehammer? She, I'm gonna remember that video. No, but no. There's no stop motion. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a lot of Smiths videos, so I would equate it to a Smiths video where it's just kind of people running around and you know. That's fair. Okay, yeah, it, that's fair. It, it's like in the 80s, 90s is like when you didn't have a video idea. It's just kind of people walking around or running around and different colored filters and things like that. It's somewhere between Kate Bush and Tori Amos. There you go. Sometimes you've just got to drop off Michael Stipe in the middle of a traffic jam and let him walk around. (laughs) And sometimes you just have to hide behind a tree. And then when you come out from behind the tree, you're wearing a different outfit. (laughs) Watch while the queen in one false move turns herself into a pawn. Shaking and watching while the blurry night turns into a very clear dawn. Do you love any? Do you love none? Do you love many? Can you love one? Do you love me? Do you love any? Do you love none? Do you love twenty? Can you love one? Do you love me? And when this came out, uh, the album sales were about 200,000 strong. Hot damn, that's great. That's a good... That's a great yeah. debut. Yeah. Yeah. What is that, uh, double gold? It's not Jagged Little Pill numbers, but it's did, did better in the uh, UK oh. than it did here, but... Kyle, there would be no Jagged Little Pill if it wasn't for this record. Get out of here! That's what I'm hey, saying. Hey, Alana Smolenson didn't get her start from Suzanne Vega. She got it from Nickelodeon. Susan, you can't do that on television. Jagged Little Pill is, is in this book, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Of course, okay. I want you to know, Kyle, that Jagged Little Pill is in this book. Isn't that ironic? It isn't. <laughs> Just like everything in that song. <laughs> I wish nothing but the best for us listening to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this record. Yeah. I, I was so surprised by just the sheer songcraft and consistency, like, mm-hmm. like between it. Like, and she's a fucking, she, she's a, a lyric wizard. Yeah, she's also a poet. It's uh, yeah, she is very cool. I'm really glad you guys like this record. Yeah, this is an interesting. I'm I'm really bummed. This is the only one in the book, though. I can't believe we're not getting the follow up, which has the songs that we've been talking about this whole time on it. I agree. I think it's strange. Uh, that like what was what wasn't wasn't Solitude Standing like? Didn't that sell way better than this one? Like if they're going by, of course it did. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was received very well by everyone except the village voice. No, you know, Christ God was not a big fan of what she was selling. Yeah. The album Days of an Open Hand, which came out after Solitude Standing, uh, I had that on cassette. And it had a little slash on the side, so it was discounted at yeah, some point. Yeah. So, I don't know. Who Who's the guy that goes in there with a bandsaw and just cuts all the cassette cases? <laughs> what, what, what job is that? Does he work for the CD store, or does he work for, like, Warner Brothers? That's, uh, I think he's just a maniac that sneaks in <laughs> at night. That is the record... Um, factory and they make those notches because those are promo copies those are not to be sold all right i thought the notches meant it was discounted no no do the notches mean the same thing as the hole punch yes all right yeah it's to indicate that if you are buying it in a store that is like they should not be selling those because they should have gone to promotional promotional item Yeah. yeah uh same thing as like i guess like a dog eared lp or like uh, someone just like the corner snipped off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you said dog-eared, that Sorry, usually I guess means dog-eared it's is folded, folded down. Yeah, okay, sorry. But no, I meant snipped off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sounds like we're all on the positive on this one. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's awesome. I was I, I didn't know how everybody would be uh be feeling about this. Um, two quick. I like quality material. Fun facts. Uh, Vegas song "Left of Center" co-written uh with Steve. Uh, Adobo oh. was in the 1986 John Hughes film Pretty in Pink. Hey. And at the time reached number How 32 uh, in the UK singles charts. Uh, and then also this one I found fascinating. One of my favorite bands and their album is Soul Coughing's Ruby Vroom, which is named after Suzanne Vega's daughter, who is named Ruby Froom. In 1994, the band got Vega's approval to name their album Ruby Vroom. So like Mike Doty is just like calling Suzanne Vega, asking if he can name an album after her child daughter. Yeah. And she's like, okay, that's cool. Wait, are they like... They're both New York. Do do they know each other outside of just both being musicians? Uh, I don't know. It, It wasn't like they were, you know... Uh, entangled because if I was Suzanne Vega, like I'd be like Mike Doty. I'm honored, but how much do you know about my child daughter? <laughs> like that, you, you know too much about. I like I I, I, don't, I she's not on Facebook, Mike. How do you know so much about my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about the Pogues, Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash. Thanks, y'all. There's a sound across the alley Cold net too close to the bone And you can see, if you look